Hey friends, this is Pastor Brian Warth. Thanks for listening to my latest sermon. Get more of my teachings on YouTube at Chapel of Change TV and tune in every Sunday on the radio on 99.5 FM for fresh hope. All the time. Praise the Lord. Don't ever say you never saw a miracle. You cannot say you never saw a miracle. God is doing miracles at Chapel of Change. All right, now let's open up our Bibles to Luke chapter 13. Open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 13, verse 10. We do have a word for somebody today, and then we want to pray for a couple people today. Luke chapter 13. Verses 10, turning that in your Bibles. And today I'm going to be teaching from the title, Victory Over Demons. Victory Over Demons. Now, before we jump into Luke chapter 13, verse 10, uh, there's something that we need to uh, discuss before. And that is that there are two extremes people can take as they approach the subject of demons. There's two extremes that we want to avoid as you approach the subject of demons. There is one danger of ignoring demons. There's one danger of believing that they do not exist. That's a danger. That's an extreme to be on. But then the other extreme is to be captivated with the subject of demons. The, up, the other extreme is to be unhealthy, excessive in your interest to demons, overemphasizing demons. You see the two extremes? One extreme we need to avoid by ignoring demons not believing they exist. The other extreme is by overemphasizing demons. C.S. Lewis, a renowned Christian author, wrote about this tension. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. So, we want to avoid both those extremes, and we want to seek the middle ground as we study this subject in spiritual warfare. By the way, we do not study spiritual warfare to be afraid, but be, to be alert. We don't study about demons to be afraid, but to be equipped to be able to push back the forces of darkness that try to impede God's a plan in our life because there is a invisible spiritual war going on and as believers we need to learn how to engage in this spiritual warfare as followers of Jesus we need to learn how to affect the spiritual realm if you don't know how to affect the spiritual realm then the spiritual realm will affect your life, and you won't even know it. So we need to learn how to engage, how to affect the spiritual realm, and we start off by looking at 
Jesus for our model. We start off by looking at Jesus on how he engaged in spiritual warfare. We look to Jesus because he's our chief general and he's our example that we follow into battle. Are you following along? So before we start to exercise our authority, our power in the name of Jesus, we got to first look at Jesus, what he did, what was his approach as he engaged in spiritual warfare. Are you following along? So let's turn. Luke chapter 13, verses 10. It says, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Some say synagogues. Remember, that's a place of worship for Jewish people. And a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. So I want you to notice that this lady is being spiritually affected to the degree it's affecting her physically. She's crippled physically because of an attack spiritually. You make the connection? There's a spiritual entity that is affecting her physical reality. I want to say that again. There's a spiritual entity that is affecting her physical reality. Now, to be clear, I want to always be clear. Not every physical disability is caused directly by demons. We live in a fallen world. We live in a broken world. Also, to be clear, not every problem you face is caused by demons. A lot of the problems you face are caused by you. Did you catch that? A lot of the problems you're facing today are a result of that man or woman in the mirror. In the mirror. So I want to be very clear that a lot of your problems can be solved by you getting right with God, by you making the right decisions, you learning how to pray, learning how to obey God, learning how to live a holy lifestyle. That could solve a lot of your tension right now. However, in this particular case, this lady was wrestling with a demon. Back to the text. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. So notice, the weight of that spiritual demon was so heavy that it bent her in half. I want you to catch the weight of this warfare that is going on. I don't know if you've ever been attacked so hard by the devil that it bent you over. That it folded you in half. But the weight of what she was going through bent her over and began to crush her physically. The Bible says, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your iniquity. And then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. So let us think for a couple moments about this sister who had suffered from a demon for 18 years. Let's consider the weight of her situation. For 18 years, she suffered this physical disability caused by 
a demon. For 18 years, she struggled with pain caused by a demon. For 18 years, a demon wrecked her life. For 18 years, she wrestled with this demon. And so, I want us to examine today how she was able to get the victory over this demon. I want us to examine today how she was able to get the victory over this demon. And the first major reflection I want to bring out is that she puts herself in the way of deliverance. This is the first thing that I want you to see in her story, that she puts herself in the way of deliverance. Now, I get that from verse 10. Listen to verse 10 as I bring it to light. It says, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching. Someone say teaching. Was teaching in one of the synagogues. So I want you to vision this in your mind, that Jesus is dishing out the word of God. That he's dishing out the word of God. He's teaching the word of God. And remember, there's power in the word of God. Remember, there's deliverance in the Word of God. There's joy in the Word of God. There's peace in the Word of God. There's love in the Word of God. So Jesus is dishing out the Word of God. He's dissecting the Word of God. He's teaching the Word of God. And the Bible says in verse 10, And a woman was there. Now that's a powerful statement right there. I, I circled that in my Bible right there. A woman was there. There. So here's what I want you to catch. How did she get the victory over this demon? How did she get delivered from the spiritual agony? Here it is. It's not, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. Here it is. Notice this. She was there. Someone say there. She was there. I want you to notice that. That she was there. Now, she wasn't at the club. She, she wasn't at the bar. She wasn't at the backyard boogie. She wasn't in the bathroom spraying her hair with Aquanet. No, she was there. And that's a powerful statement to emphasize. Because remember, she's bent over. Remember, she's, she's crushed by the weight of her situation. Remember, God hasn't answered her prayer for 18 years, but she's there. Now, if anybody had an excuse not to be there, it would have been her. If anybody had an excuse not to show up, it would have been her. She hadn't had her prayer answered for 18 years. She'd been crushed for 18 years. She got a demon on her back, and she still gets to the place of worship. She still gets to the house of the Lord. She was there. I want you to catch that. She was there. Because there, there, there's something about putting yourself in the way of deliverance that helps you to receive deliverance. There's something about putting yourself in the way of a blessing that helps you to receive a blessing. There's something about putting yourself in the way of God's favor that helps you to receive God's favor. Now notice, she didn't even ask for deliverance. There's nowhere in the record where she asked Jesus to deliver her, but her actions spoke louder than her words. 
Her actions showed her or got the attention of Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus saw her. It says he saw her. And I want to suggest to you that when it says he saw her, he, he saw more than just her physical condition. He saw her pain. He saw her frustration. He saw her perseverance. He did an x-ray in her soul, and he called her forward, uh, and she demonstrated that faith without works is dead. She reminds me of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. She reminds me of Zacchaeus. It says in Luke 19 that Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector. And he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, but could not because of the crowd. So he tries to see Jesus, but something's blocking him. And what does he do? Does he get discouraged? What does he do? Does he go home? What does he do? Does he throw in the towel? No. Throw in the towel? No. None of that. In verse 4, it says he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see, for he was going to pass that way. What does he do? He throws himself in the way of his salvation. He puts himself in the way of his blessing. And Jesus tells him, Zacchaeus, come down for that tree, for tonight I'm going to have dinner at your house. She reminds me of Zacchaeus, and and Zacchaeus reminds me of that lady in Luke chapter 8 with the issue of blood. Remember that sister with the issue of blood? She was dying slowly. She was weak. She had this physical element for 12 long years, and she sees Jesus walking down the street, and a crowd was blocking her. By the way, if you ever do anything significant for the Lord, there's going to be something that tries to block you. If you ever do anything significant for Jesus, you're going to have to press through the blocking. So what does this sister do in Luke chapter 8, verse 44? Just listen to this. It says, pressing in through the crowd, she came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. Instantly, her bleeding stopped, and she was healed. She puts herself in the way of the blessing. She puts herself in the way of healing. She puts herself in the way of her deliverance. One of the reasons why we regularly come to worship every Sunday at 1230 is because we're putting ourselves in the way of God's power. We're putting ourselves in the way of God's favor. We're putting ourselves in the way of God's blessing. One of the reasons why I bring my kids to church regularly, whether they want to come or not, is because I'm putting them in the way of God's blessing. I'm putting them in the way of God's favor. I'm putting them in the way of God's healing. They will thank me later. They can thank me later, but I'm going to put them in the way. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? When people ask me for prayer or they ask me uh, seeking deliverance for whatever it is that is holding them down, usually I will encourage them to come to worship. Come to worship. Come to church. The reason why I answer that way is to get them in the atmosphere of deliverance. To get them in the atmosphere of healing. There's something about being in the atmosphere 
atmosphere of God's power that initiates or ignites someone's faith that that lady that was bent over somehow crawled to the house of the Lord and by being in the house of the Lord it did something to her faith there's something about being in the atmosphere of God's power that affects your life affects your family affects your mind being in the atmosphere of deliverance in Psalms 32 verse 7 it says you are my hiding place you will protect me from trouble and surround me get this with songs of deliverance with songs of deliverance about a week ago on February 8th Asbury University in Kentucky had their usually weekly chapel service and an individual, the preacher, stood up and he began to preach on the subject of love and repentance. And I've spoken at several Christian universities, not Asbury, but other Christian universities. And it is my experience when I go preach at a Christian university, it usually feels like chopping wood because people are just sitting there and they're staring at you. And it is my discernment that many people who come from a Christian background suffer from a spirit of religion. A spirit of religion, particularly if you grew up in a Christian home or you grew up in church. And a spirit of religion blocks the power of God from flowing. That's why you could be a Christian for 30 years and never be delivered. That's why you could be a Christian for 30 years and never be transformed. Because the spirit of religion blocks the power of God from flowing. But on February 8th at Asbury University in the small town of Kentucky, after that chapel service, a group of students felt led by the spirit of God to linger around after service. And they said, let's pray together. Let's worship together. Let's repent from our sins. The small group said, let's hang around the altar and let's worship and let's repent from our sins. And they didn't realize that something shifted in the atmosphere. They didn't realize that something shifted in the atmosphere because later that night, that chapel service was filled with students worshiping the Lord and praising God. And today, 10 days later, they're still worshiping the Lord around the clock. People from all over the world are descending upon this small town in Kentucky. And thousands of people are descending upon that university and they are waiting for hours in the cold to get to the revival service. They're waiting for hours and the presence of the Lord is being felt in a unique way. And people are asking, why? Why are people flying from around the world? Why are people taking off work to go to Asbury University? Here it is. They are intentionally putting themselves in the way of God's presence and power they are intentionally putting themselves in the way of God's power listen I want to be where God is moving I want to be where the spirit of the Lord is stirred up I want to be where the power of God is exploding I want to be where the kingdom of God is being demonstrated you got to intentionally put yourself in the way of God's 
power. The second thing I want us to see in this story is that Jesus gave her victory over a demon. Jesus gave her victory over a demon. It was a demon that was harassing her. It was a demon that infiltrated her life. And I want to remind us what demons are. Demons are wicked spiritual beings who work to obstruct God's purposes. They, they work to impede God's plan and his will. Demons are wicked spiritual beings who crave to possess physical bodies. The reason why they want to possess a physical body is so that they can express themselves. And so they look for people who will invite them in. Who will invite them in. By the way, if you're a born-again believer, a demon cannot just bang down the door. You got to invite them in. Demons are wicked spiritual beings who work as a spiritual mafia to harass God's people. Demons seek to harass God's people. So, so they seek to steal your joy. They seek to steal your peace. They seek uh, to steal the love of God from your heart. And one sign that you are being attacked by a demon is the high frequency and intensity of the attack. Like, how do you know? Like, how do you know if you're just going through a normal trial or if you're being spiritually attacked? Here's one sign. It's the intensity and the frequency of the attack that points to the source of that attack. Apostle Paul said, I was buffeted by an angel of Satan. I was buffeted. The picture is of a wave that continues to hit the boat, hit the boat, hit the boat. So if there's something that's regularly trying to steal your joy, steal your peace, it may be a demonic attack upon your life. And you need to be aware of that. Not to be afraid, but to be alert. Not to be afraid, but to be equipped. I first learned about this years ago when I was about 19 years old. I was, I was born again in a revival in prison. Like I, I, I started serving the Lord in the midst of a revival where a lot of young people were giving their lives to the Lord, but we were also surrounded by hyenas and wolves and, and darkness. And so I was discipled in the midst of darkness. And I first learned about this through a personal experience. I remember I was about 19 years old and I would go into the chow hall to eat dinner and in prison, you take a tray and you push the tray down the line and there'll be other inmates on the other side of the line and they'll put the food in your tray, whether it's corn, whether it's milk or whether it's mashed potatoes. And I remember I started to get my dinner one night and I would pass my tray through the line and the individual who was passing the mashed potatoes every time he would put mashed potatoes on my tray he would say something to me derogatory every time I passed through that line next thing I know my stomach started to get knotted up and every time I walk through the line I put my tray out simultaneously he'll say something to me bad or he'll try to uh, make 
fun of me for being a Christian. And it got to the point that it began to stress me out. And my stomach began to get knotted. And I didn't even want to go to eat because I didn't want to experience that attack. I remember reading a book on our authority as believers in Jesus. And I remember the author of the book said, whenever there is a consistency in trying to steal your joy and your peace, chances are that attack originates from a demonic source because the devil wants to steal your joy. And so I said, wow, my eyes were open. And so I said, man, I'm going to see if this Bible thing is for real. So I'm 19 years old at that time. I'm excited for the Lord. I'm in the midst of the revival. I grab me a can of anointing oil and I go to the kitchen before everybody's there and I start anointing the walls in the name of Jesus. I start anointing the tables in the name of Jesus. And I was so excited back then that I busted out the spiritual bazooka and I started just rebuking everything. I just started just rebuking. If you came in my sight, I was rebuking you. And I started taking authority over that evil spirit. And I did that for a couple days. And I remember every time I'll go to dinner, my stomach would knot up. And one night I got my tray because you still got to face, you got to face Goliath, right? You can't hide from Goliath. And, and, I, and I got my tray and I passed it through. And this one particular night, something happened to distract the guy from looking at me so he served me the mashed potatoes and didn't say nothing. I walked by. I'm saying, hmm, there's something changing. So the next day, I go to the kitchen, get my anointing oil. I start anointing the walls. I start anointing the trays. I start pulling out my spiritual bazooka. I'm hitting everything. I'm rebuking every devil I can think of. I just, you just re Sometimes you just got to rebuke everybody. I get my tray that night. I push my tray down, and all of a sudden, he's no longer distracted, but he looks at me. He doesn't say nothing. Like, oh, wow. Next day, I get my anointing oil again, because you got to drive that thing out. And I'm anointed with oil, and I'm praying, and I'm rebuking in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking in other tongues, and I'm, I'm praying. I said, man, I still don't want to go to dinner because my stomach is knotted up. But Chow Hall came. I said, I gotta face this Goliath. And I go and I get my tray and I push my tray down the line. And I'm coming, I'm coming in the name of Jesus. I'm coming in the name of Jesus underneath my breath. And he's a buff brother too. So I'm like, in the name of Jesus, right? And I slide my tray and he looks up and he smiles and he gives me my, my mashed potatoes and I start to scream inside of me, praise the Lord. See, Jesus gave me victory over that situation because I looked beyond the natural realm and I took authority in the spiritual realm. Some of y'all got to stop fighting physically and you got to learn how to fight spiritually. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? See, my brothers and sisters, Jesus showed us how to deal with evil spirits. He showed us how to deal with the forces of darkness. In Matthew 16, 23, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. I'm sure he said that with attitude, too. In Luke 4, 35, Jesus looks at a demon and he says, be quiet and come out of him. 
That's authority right there. You know what the LBC translation of that is? It's shut up and sit down. Jesus said in John 14, 30, Satan has no power over me. He showed us. He showed us how to deal with the spiritual realm. And then he turned around and gave us power and authority to deal with the demons ourselves in the name of Jesus. In fact, every time Jesus sent somebody out, he didn't just send them out to preach the gospel, but he sent them out to cast out demons. He sent them out equipped in the power of the Lord. Jesus knew that we're coming up against spiritual warfare. So he didn't just send us out. He sent us out with weapons. In Luke chapter 9 verse 1, it says when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power. Someone say power. He gave them power and authority. Someone say authority. And authority to drive out demons. He always gave us power. Jesus is not insecure. He knew what we were coming up against. He knew that this is a revolution going on. And we needed a weapon to use to fight against the powers of darkness. And so somebody says, well, that was the apostles. I'm not an apostle. Uh, he said that to the apostles. Everybody's always trying to separate themselves from the power of God. And they say, oh, I'm not an apostle, so that doesn't belong to me. Well, that's not the only place where Jesus gave people power and authority. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sent 72 people out with power in his name. Listen to how they came back. Just listen in Luke chapter 10, verse 17. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Jesus gave them delegated authority. Authority is permission, but he also gave them power. Power is ability. We don't just have permission, but we have ability to fight back the powers of darkness. So somebody says, well, that, that was other people. That was not me. What, what does he say to me? Here's what he says to you in Mark chapter 16, which is the great commission. In Mark 16, uh, verses 17, listen to what he says to you. He says, and these signs will follow the apostles. Come on, wake up. And these signs will follow the early followers. Does it say that? No. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe. Are there any believers in the house today? Are there any believers in the house today? I'm a believer. And believing doesn't just mean to agree with God. Believing means to submit to God. Believing means to surrender to God. He says, these signs will follow those who believe in my name, they will cast out demons. He said, in my name. So listen, my brothers and sisters, Jesus defeated the devil on the cross and the resurrection. He broke the back of the power of darkness and he put that power in his name. He puts 
the power in his name. Listen, the power is not in your intellect. The power is not in your college degree. The power is not in how much money you make a year. The power is in the name. The power is in the name. The power is in the name. He puts the power in his name. And he gives us the name. He gives us the name. Listen. The name of Jesus is not some beautiful name that we use to pray to the Father with. That's not just the purpose of the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is also a weapon that we are to use against the powers of darkness, the forces of darkness that try to infiltrate your home. So my encouragement to us today is to move from the defense to move to the offense. Our encouragement is to transition from the defense and to move to the offense. Listen, when the early church busted on the scene, they immediately went on the offense against the powers of darkness. When the early church went on the scene, when they got born in Acts chapter 2 and they got filled with the Holy Spirit, immediately they began to use that name. In Acts chapter 3, when the disciples came across a lame man, in verse 6, it says, Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. Man. Where did Peter get that name? He got it from Jesus. Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus. So what God has given us, my brothers and sisters, is not for us to store up, but it's for us to use to bring down the kingdom of God in our generation. God wants to demonstrate the kingdom of God in our generation, and it's used through the name of Jesus. You have a weapon. I have a weapon. And my encouragement for us is to transition from the defense to the offense. Praise God you endured 10 years of pain. Praise God you endured 18 years of suffering. Praise God for that. But it's time to stop being a spiritual pinata. And it's time to get aggressive in the spiritual realm and use the weapons that God has given you to help your marriage or help your daughter or help your son or help your home. It's time. Some of you are working 50 hours a week and the devil is still in your joy at work. It's time for you to take the name of Jesus to your work and silence those evil spirits that are trying to break you down. One of my first experiences um, against the powers of darkness happened when I was about 19 years old. When I was in prison, there was a group of older ladies called the Agape Sisters. They were volunteer chaplains, and they were spirit-filled, Holy Ghost grandmas. And they would come into church, uh, into prison every month. And they would teach us about faith. And they would teach us about the power that we have in the name of Jesus. And they would teach us to believe 
in miracles. And I thank God for people who believe in miracles because I wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for a miracle of God. And they taught us how to engage the spiritual realm. Old, holy ghost, frail, powerful grandmas. And I remember one time we were in a chapel, a small chapel. And Sister Lorna was her name. God bless her soul. And she, she was preaching a message. And this individual began to, like, manifest an evil spirit. And I'm looking, like, because he stands up. And this is old frail lady preaching her heart out. But she's filled with the fire of God. And this guy, tall guy, stands up. And I'm looking, and all of a sudden, she kind of jumps forward like Bruce Lee and says, in the name of Jesus. And she just starts, in the name of Jesus. And the guy falls over on the ground, and he begins to flap like a fish. Now, you got to remember, I'm in prison. I got a life sentence. And I'm thinking in my mind, oh, my God, I'm going to go to jail. I'm going to go to jail. And... Sister Lorna kind of used it as an exercise for us. You know how you see National Geographic, how a, a tiger mother takes down a deer and then gives the carcass to the baby tigers? That's how Sister Lorna was. And she was like, go get him, go get him, go get him. And so we got around him, and we're in the name of Jesus. We're in the name, I'm, I'm, again, I'm rebuking everything. And I look back into the hallway and I see a correctional officer doing his normal checks in the different rooms in the chapel. And I say to myself, oh my goodness, I'm about to go to jail. We all going to jail. And the correctional officer, he looks at the different rooms and he's walking toward us, our room. And as soon as he gets to the window, Sister Lorna says, just lift up your hands and start to praise Jesus. And so we all start saying, praise God, praise God, praise God. And something happened that caused the correction officer not to look down on the ground where that individual was. But he looked up and then he turned around and he walked out the chapel and we didn't go to jail that day. My encouragement for us, my brothers and sisters starting from when you leave this place, even starting from our altar call, is to start using the name of Jesus. Start saying the name of Jesus over your kids, over your home, over your work, over your job. The name of Jesus is a weapon for us. I want to invite us to bow our heads this, evening, this morning. Let's bow our heads in the presence of the Lord. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as the worship team comes back up, this is our time of reflection. This is our time of meditation. And I want us to think about what was taught today. But also, in your own way, just right where you're at, I want to give you permission to exercise using the name of Jesus. Just say the name of Jesus right where you're at. Just say it. Just say the name of Jesus right where you're at. Just, just exercise the name of Jesus right where you're at. Just exercise the name of Jesus. 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 I just want to give you permission to exercise. This is how you do In the name of Jesus, I speak Jesus over my family. 
I speak the name of Jesus over my family. I speak the name of Jesus over my home. I speak the name of Jesus over my kids. I want to invite us. Let's bow our heads this afternoon. Let's bow our hearts this afternoon. I'm going to call up Pastor Laura, and she's going to pray for us this afternoon. She's going to pray for us this afternoon. Let's bow our heads in an atmosphere of meditation. And even softly, you could still keep saying the name of Jesus softly. Just exercise. Some of you came in today and the Lord sees you individually. And for many of us, there's been this cry in our spirit, in our soul. And it reminds me of Psalm 4.1 where King David himself said, Lord, hear my prayer. You have relieved me when I was in distress. Have mercy on me, O God, and hear me now. And if that's you today, the Lord Jesus is giving you that invitation. He's saying, come to me, those of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest in your soul. Rest in your mind. Rest in your body. And if that's you, just by faith, I would just ask to just raise your hand. And I'm just going to pray over you, but I want you to do another thing. As Pastor Brian was sharing our authority in the name of Jesus, it reminded me of this picture in the Old Testament where God was giving the people the, the victory, but they had to go through. They had to go through Jericho, and they had to, by faith, face the enemy, the walls, and they had to take a step of action. And so if you are facing a seemingly giant, a great wall, something blocking you from experiencing victory today, I want to ask you to just stand up. Stand up where you are. If you've been distressed by a demonic spirit, some type of an attack against your mind, against your body, if you feel an oppressing spirit, a distressing spirit, a harassing spirit that just won't let up. Our prayer today is that God would have mercy on us and by his mighty right hand would slay the power of the enemy that has had the grip on you right now in Jesus' name. And we're going to take authority and we're going to shout once again. We're going to shout together and we're going to say Jesus and we're going to say it seven times by faith. If that's you, we're going to go. Are you ready? Jesus! 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 In the name of Jesus, we take authority over every distressing spirit that has a grip on your mind and we find it and rebuke it and we command it to leave you now in the name of Jesus. Every oppressive spirit that has been harassing you, that has taken your peace, that has taken your joy, we command it to leave you now in the name of Jesus. And we ask the Holy Spirit to release his fire, to release his fire, to consume the enemy over your life in the name of Jesus, that the Holy Spirit would come and bring about your deliverance 
shout Jesus. Someone shout Jesus. Jesus. Give the Lord a hand. Praise. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. God is good. God is good all the time. Amen. Amen. Did you receive something from the Lord today? Anybody receive something from the Lord today? Praise God. Help me welcome Pastor Raymond as he leads us in our offering today. Give it up for Pastor Raymond. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Who's ready? Who, I said, who's ready? I want to be on the offense. Amen. No more defense. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Brian, for that powerful word. God is moving. God is equipping. God is giving us a weapon. And not only giving us a weapon, but he's showing us how to swing it and use it to his glory. Amen. At this time, we're going to transition to uh, our tithes and offerings portion of the service. And I got a scripture here in Hebrews 13, 16. And it reads, do not neglect to do good and share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Pleasing to God. So, so when we share, we please our Father in heaven. Amen. Uh, me being a father, I have four boys, uh, and, and I often witness times with my boys where they don't really like to share, right? Young boys, they don't want to share. They want to eat the big old bag of chips, not the small ones, but, you know, I give them a big old bag of chips. They don't want to share. It's mine. It's mine. Or, you know, the, the, the big old drink. They don't want to pass a drink and give their brothers a drink. And, and one of my sons, Roberto, if you guys know him, Roberto Ramirez, has a heart to share. He's always the one that's going... Go ahead, you can have my stuff. Go ahead, you know, you here I have enough plenty for my brothers. He's always having that heart to share. And, and me being his father, it just does something to me. It just touches me like in a deep way when I see that, that godly character uh, manifest in front of me. So as a father, I could testify, when my children share, it pleases me. Uh, as the ushers come forward, I have some announcements. We have a, deb a debit machine in the back. If you guys want to give by debit card, we have someone back there to facilitate that for you. Also, we have other ways to give. We're able to give online, text, and mail, or in person, as we are about to do here with the ushers in front of us. We have this Thursday night, boy, broiler room. Broiler room this Thursday night. 
at 7 p.m. here at our Paramount campus where all the churches from all the other campuses are going to emerge one night. We're going to be praying. We're going to be believing. We're going to be just soaking in this Holy Spirit movement. I believe that 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 that, that Asbury uh, uh, revival is making its way here at Chapel of Change. Amen. I'm feeling a move of the Holy Spirit, and we want to be a part of that revival. So come out Thursday night at 7 p.m. to experience the move of God. Also, we have Youth Winter Camp. Youth Winter Camp uh, this coming weekend. It's going to be the 24th through 26th. We're still taking donations to help bless the kids with snacks and, and drinks and stuff like that. So if you want to be a part of that, see uh, uh, Brian Castillo in the back or see one of our uh, ushers in the back and they would make a way for you to continue to just want, if you want to support that. But also I, I ask that you just keep it in prayer because we're believing for God to move in our youth for his glory. Uh, we also have a impact young adults. Do we have any young adults in the house? Young adults, okay, young adults, praise the Lord. I don't know if I can raise my hand to that, but young adults, amen. That we're having our young adults retreat. For, for more information, contact Sarah. Would you raise your hand, Sarah? She'll have, gladly give you all the info for the up and coming uh, retreat as well. Let us pray and then we'll release the ushers for the tithes and offerings. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. For the ability to give, Lord, because you first gave to us, Lord. So we want to just release this tithe and offering with a thankful and grateful heart, God. So it will be pleasing to you, God. So with that, Lord, Father God, may you get your glory and honor, Lord, through your tithes and offerings, Lord, so that others can experience your love in a deeper way. In the name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Ushers, you are released. invite you to stand to your feet. I want to invite our pastors to the altar. After we dismiss with a blessing, if you want extra prayer, you're welcome to come to the altar and one of our pastors and leaders will pray uh, for you. It is our tradition to close out with a blessing. Never leave the house of the Lord without getting your blessing. How many need a blessing for this week? All right, lift up your hands unto the Lord and we'll dismiss with a blessing. In the name of the Father who loves you with an endless love, in the name of the Son who died that you could live, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who fills you with deliverance, may you go this week with the protection and the blessing of the Lord. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hope to see you Thursday.